This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I'm Brian DeFelice, joined by Bridget Pru, and freshly off short-term IR, one Scott McLaughlin. Scott, how are you feeling? Uh, much better, and I'm glad that we were able to clear enough cap space to activate me without having to trade anyone away. Uh, you know, just great cap management by by the whole operation here. I agree. Yeah, no, it was just always finding those those loopholes. You know, like the lightning in in 20, 2019, 2020. So <laughs> where there's a will, there's a way. Like Don Sweeney said, well, well, there's a way to figure it out I, throughout the year. Yeah, I, and by the way, like the Bruins, you know, credit. I think Evan Gold is like their their cap master financial guy. Um, you you think you understand the cap and then something like this happens and you're like, nah, I don't know, I, I guess not. Because we all thought like they had more money they needed to free up in order to be able to activate Forbort. And it turns out that just by uh, waving Strawman and demoting his contract, they, I believe to, they ended up today, like, Bridget, what did I tell you? Like 34,000 yeah, 34, cap. When he said that so, to me, I thought he was going to say $34 under the cap. I was like, wow, they cut that close. Which would have been even more <laughs> impressive. But yeah, I don't know. Real so, close. so yeah, so all they had to do was get rid of Strawman and they have enough money and now they've now they've got everyone. And, you know, I, I, whatever. We, we can get, we'll get into it later. Well, it's, it's a good point, though, Scott, story, because but... like because like conceivably, though, this could they could roll with this lineup. Yeah. All exactly. regular season and playoffs, and it's like we're, we're we're scratching our heads all off season and the front start front part of this season. It's like, well, they got to trade something. It's like, and, and to your point, it's like, oh no, just just assign Strawman to Providence. You know, hope it doesn't get claimed off waivers. Like, really? They it's have just, a it's whole, interesting. They have a whole yeah. twenty seven cents left over. And, and like it all goes, it goes back to like not using like all of the long term IR that they could have. You know, like when McAvoy was on, they. You know, I think they were only like three million into L- LTIR because they still had left some cap space like on their active roster. So like that all factors in when they sent Mike Riley down to Providence factors in. Like apparently today was the because of when they sent Riley down today was the first day 
when they would have been able to activate Forber without doing anything else. Like it's, I don't know. I don't know if it was timing seems if it was all part of the master plan and then you'd like they really did have this plan down to the very day or if uh, they just sort of by coincidence that ended up lining up that way. But either way, yeah, like you said, they now they now have their team. And, uh, you know, I I do think like they still might be looking to move Riley because him being in Providence is not really an ideal situation for certainly for Riley, but like also just for the team, because it's like they eventually as caps, as accrues, they might have enough to call him back up at some point, but like right now they don't. So they can't even, you know, it's like, you can't even bring him up. He's just kind of stuck there. Well, yeah. And it doesn't want it. Go ahead, Brian. No, I was just going to say like, th- there's really no reason to, there's no incentive right now to move Craig Smith either, because you know, it's a long season. You know, somebody's going to go down and, and there you go. Now here comes Craig Smith off the ninth floor. So it's just like, even now he's not happy about that. Right. Because until something happens or unless, you know, Montgomery wants to shake things up. Like there's no reason for him to go in the lineup right now. And he's just sitting there on his thumbs upstairs, but which sucks for him personally. But yeah, I mean, it's just now he could just sit there until they need him really or yeah, and, and shake he, things up either way. Like you never know who's going to get hurt. And also like he could still be like, on a cup winning team, even if he stays here the rest of the year, like he's on a team that he like presumably enjoys the team culture, like the, the locker room culture, the teammates that he has, everybody seems to really like each other on this team. So it's not all that bad. Once you get over the fact that you're not like in the lineup on a daily basis, but that could change at any point. Like Trent yeah. Frederick could get hurt again and, or, or Greer, or you never know. Yeah, and Smith's a little banged up himself right now, anyways. Um, yeah, or or just someone could struggle, and they could be not like you know. It, I mean, Greer and Frederick are have certainly been playing better than Smith to this point in the season, but it's not like like the gap in quality between those players is enormous. Like you know, Greer or Frederick take a downturn for a week, and you get Smith back in, and maybe he ramps his game up, and you know, like there's some interchangeability there where it's like, it wouldn't surprise me at all. If two, three weeks from now, we're like, Hey, Smith has looked really good on the third line the last couple of games or, or the fourth line or wherever, like it, you know, it's not like it, it wouldn't take a whole lot for him to get in the lineup and you can still, you can still see a situation where he takes advantage of that opportunity, even though it, you know, hasn't really happened yet this season. Yeah, it hasn't happened yet, but you like you know he has that ability. He wasn't he wasn't terrible all of last year. He had some quieter spells, but like you got to imagine that once he gets healthy, he might be able to make a case for himself at some point. It seems like he has at least a little bit more time now that this move with Strawman, um, you know, cleared up somehow enough space for them to get Forbert back in. And by the way, just to tie up this conversation about Strawman. I uh, there's a little bit of a weird situation with him because he came to Boston kind of agreed like okay if you sign me like this is gonna be I'm gonna be on Boston and he doesn't really want to play in the AHL so no he I, I would be shocked if he plays a game in the AHL um I think you know Steve Steve Conroy had tweeted earlier today he talked to Strawman's agent he said like we're we're looking over our options over the next few days. And, you know, I could see one, I could see him potentially just retiring. Like if, 
if he feels like his game isn't where he needs or wants it to be and feels like it might not even work out like with another team, I could see him retiring or I could see if he thinks, you know what, like I, I do still have something and, and I, I, you know, I want another chance and things just haven't quite clicked in Boston. Then I could see a, a mutual agreement to terminate his contract where he would become a free agent again, and then he can sign, you know, another one year deal with some other team that's willing to give him a shot. So I think both of those are, are on the table. I, I don't think him actually playing in Providence is, is going to happen, but you know, I guess crazier things have happened. If he wants to stay, if he wants to stay with the organization, I guess, you know, that could be a possibility. Yeah. It sucks for him because obviously that's just like, he did not expect that nobody, he probably doesn't even know what, like what Providence is. Like he probably doesn't know too much about the area and any, anything. Like, I don't know why anyone would want to get sent down. But the thing about that is like, unfortunately for the Bruins, it'd be great if they could keep him there because then he's the next guy you call up like he there's someone else that you can call up to the lineup if someone else gets injured or or for whatever reason you need someone and he was reliable when he came in he wasn't perfect and he you know you could tell there was a little bit of um slowness to his game but he wasn't a terrible option he was a good option to have so um the fact that he kind of doesn't he doesn't remain an option after this because he's not gonna most likely not going to go play for the AHL and, and, you know, you won't have the ability to call him back up essentially. Um, this was a kind of just a permanent move. And, you know, I, similar to that point, Bridget, like similar to Craig Smith, if I'm, if I'm Strawman and his agent and they're talking about, you know, possibilities of where he could, of his next move, like he could report to Providence and they could end up shipping out Riley and, clearing up even more cap space and like like Bridges said like you could be in a situation where you're back with this team in the second half of the season or certainly in the playoffs as an extra body as well um and you know the other the other thing that comes to mind when I hear talking over options is maybe if he does see himself on you know the, the last hole of his career um maybe he maybe he, he and his family would wouldn't mind moving back to Sweden and playing in the uh Swedish elite league or something like that to just kind of, you know, play one final year somewhere, who knows, but um, in any event, um, not to bury the lead, the, the Bruins beat the the lightning three to one tonight at the garden improved to 13. Yes, Bridget. This is all Scott's fault. Whoa. What, what, what's that? that oh yeah, talking yeah. About IR. Listen, you, when you come back, you got to make an impact right off the bat. So <laughs> I felt like I really needed to completely derail this. Yeah, right this all started so. because we needed to find out how to get Scott back in the lineup and clear some cap space. So. Yeah, no, I mean, look, tip of the cap to Scott. First shift, take a hit, make a hit. You know, he's he's finding ways to to impact the game right away. He's he's that's that's what you want to do when you first get back. Keep things simple. Um, but yeah, so so the Bruins. They beat the Lightning for the second time in about a week and a half stretch. Um, three to one at the Garden. They get two holes from Taylor Hall and an empty net from Martian. Now, before we kind of dive into the game, I did want to lead with this. We've talked about over the last couple of weeks. We we have talked about the the line combinations and 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 Krejci with Zaka and Pasternak, and I I want to bring it up again because it seems like it's more of a potential long term situation where. It, it looks like Montgomery 
might want to have Taylor Hall on the third line just to have depth at forward that no other team in the league, maybe besides, you know, maybe one other team can kind of match that. Um, it's and post so I game, guess post game that was a huge conversation. That was a huge theme. So we'll get into that post game conversations with players and coach. Yeah. So I guess I'm just gonna throw it to you guys real quick. Like, do you what do you think Jim Montgomery's motivation is here? Do you think it's to create depth? Uh, even more depth, which we we think they have anyway, even if Zaka's not their line. Do you think it was to wake up Hall, who didn't doesn't seem like he needed a huge wake-up call, but everybody no. can use it? Or is it just, you know, maybe try to f- have Coyle and Frederick's style of play drag Taylor Hall into the fight a little bit more, into a nittier, grittier style of play, as opposed to Krejci and, and Pasternak, who are a little bit more finesse? Well, Coach actually answered that. So he said that, one of the one of the greatest things about working with a player like Taylor Hall is that his ego, it, it, he's very mature. He doesn't let his ego get in the way of, you know, coach tells you to go play on the third line when you're a former number one overall pick and you're used to being the guy on certain teams that you've been on in the past. He said that when he moved Hall to the third line, Hall was completely fine with it. And he also mentioned that he likes how he plays with Coyle um, the way that Coyle can kind of clear space out for him and Hall can spend time with the puck on his stick and, and make his moves towards the net and, and whatnot. So it, it was a conscious, conscious decision to put Coyle and Hall together and see how those players could work together and, and um, play off each other in that way. It had nothing to do with trying to wake Hall up at all. He said it was, you know, he, he likes to be able to split them up and, and have Hall not complain about it and have, it work out the way it has recently. Yeah. I, I mean, he's also not going to say that, you know, part of it was to wake Hall up or to wake anyone else up. Like that's just not really Montgomery's style. Um, I, I do. I think it was probably a bit of all of the above. Like, I think part of it is that that second line wasn't quite taking off the way that, you know, everyone hoped it would. Um, and they, you know, and I think it, part of it is this desire that Montgomery has to have have guys be able to play with multiple different players and play in multiple different spots. And this is sort of something that he's now settled on, you know, for a couple games and might ride with a bit. Um, and I do think it's it, Brian. I think that like this is kind of what you're getting at is that Hall Krejci Pasternak line. You know, they were they weren't always like cycling and kind of playing on the puck the way that you want. There were too many kind of one and done trips into the offensive zone. And I think that's a combination that can make Hall Krejci pass nine together. I'm talking about that can make a lot of magic happen, but can also maybe not always quite have like the second effort in the offensive zone that, that you're looking for that, you know, can, ease up a little bit at times. And so I think, you know, Zach is someone who can bring a little bit grittier style to that second line. And then you put Hall with Coyle and Frederick, two guys who are going to hold on to pucks and, you know, have more possession in the offensive zone. And it sort of forces Hall to play a little bit more like that. Um, And again, like that's, you go, you go back to last year, Hall and Coyle together from the start of the season didn't really work out. Like it seemed like their styles were too different. Um, and I, and it was interesting, like, cause Hall addressed that after the game, you know, what's mm-hmm. different now versus last season. 
And he said, like, well, I think I just know Charlie Coyle better as a player, like not even just from playing with him, but just from being on his team for a full season. He, you know, he said, like, even last year, I felt like if I ended up playing with Coyle again later in the year, things would have been better because I just had a, a much better idea of how he played and what I would need to do if I were on his wing. Um, you know, so I, I do think the two of them are in a better spot. And then whether it's been Smith or, or Frederick on the right, I, you know, I think can help um, bring a style that that Hall seems more equipped to play than he probably was when he first got here, you know, uh, a year and a half ago or, or even early last season. Yeah, I think he's a smart player, and so he picks up on things and pays pays pretty close attention to things. So that it kind of makes sense that he was able to figure that, like, figure out how to fit on that line better the more that he knew Coyle. And he also said in the post game scrum that Charlie Coyle is not a third line center on most teams, um, so he doesn't look at it as a demotion at all to to be playing on a line with Charlie Coyle. And that yeah, he did, he did mention that that just shows the depth of the team. Yeah. I mean, I, I asked him that, like, you know, was there a part of you that looked at it as a demotion or like, was there like a mental aspect you had to kind of get over? And, and he said like, no, like, it, you know, it, if this is what we think is best for the team, like it, you almost don't even look at it as, as numbered lines. You just look at it as, you know, go out when it's your turn to go. And especially like five on five, it's, they do roll lines a lot. You know, there's not there ha- when they're playing well and they're going like there isn't a whole heck of a lot of a difference in, in five on five ice time, certainly between those top three lines. Sometimes the fourth line gets lost in the shuffle a little bit, but um, you know, they're still going to get their minutes and, and Hall's still going to be on the second power play unit, which is where he scores his, his second goal tonight. Um, so yeah, like it, it it almost isn't a, or it's easy not to look at it as a demotion, I, I guess, if you're Taylor Hall, because it's like, I think he's the kind of guy who can embrace, you know what, I'm going to help make this the best third line in the NHL. Like, he, I, I can see that being something where he's like, okay, that like, that's, that's what I'm going to do now. That's what we're going to be. Yeah. And, and sorry to Brian, just one last thing before we let you talk. Um, he, Coach Montgomery said, no matter where, Taylor Hall is even on the third line. He's going to be getting 15 minutes a night. And he was right around that again today. So still it's no like demotion in ice time. That's for sure. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon. When a thought hits you, I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 